podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everyone, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation, the podcast that will not ever stop because they keep making more Star Trek. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. Uh, Season 5, we're at the penultimate episode, Andy. You've seen more of the show than you haven't seen. It's pretty crazy. Do you like Star Trek? Um, do you want to play the? <laughs> Would you have them watch this series? <laughs> I know we're not we're not uh, we're not all the way through. So I mean, if you don't have an uh, answer yet, no, okay. I yes, I would say it's fine. No, I I really like it. I I I uh, it's uh, I stand by the uh, the obstacles or my perspective on the obstacles that it would have had to take to get to this point but on par at this point in terms of the early episodes and the and uh and the you know semi-poor quality but uh it is a fantastic series when i look back on it and all the all the great episodes and a great science fiction stories uh, science fiction series 26 episodes in this season alone it's crazy yeah Ugh, i just can't emerge it's just too much work that's all I. That's all I think. It kind of makes you think. If every series, maybe we're we're seeing this now in the in the world, but if every series was given the opportunity to work out its issues <laughs> through season three, how many amazing series would there be that we didn't get to see because they didn't get catch hold? Well, for sure. Or, I mean. If you look at like Cheers getting the worst ratings of any show in primetime its first season. Right. Seinfeld too, was, right? But it was already good, you know what I mean? Seinfeld? Cheers. Seinfeld. Cheers. Seinfeld right. too. Seinfeld was already Seinfeld was definitely funny, but it was not it was not together. You like it, it took several episodes to of, yeah, yeah. It was a right. different kind of humor, right? You know? Yeah. And it was certainly something that um, was looked at as like, oh, I see this has some sort of potential, but there are shows that need to be canceled. I'm sorry. Sure. <laughs> I would argue that they're probably more right than wrong. What we have now that is kind of difficult to people who consume television uh, is is a lot of series where people are like, no, you got to watch it because they're invested in the characters. And then, you know, there's this arc in season two. Like the thing about, um, what was the, uh, the one with Pacey in it? <laughs> Dawson's Creek? <laughs> Not Dawson's Creek. Sorry. I meant the sci-fi the one. No, no. The sci-fi one with, uh, with the same actor, Joshua oh, Jackson. Fringe. Fringe. Everybody Why talks about. Why do I about know everything he's been on? <laughs> because <laughs> josh dreamy joshua jackson sure um yeah everybody talks about fringe in the later seasons of fringe you gotta hang in there and and i and i don't think they're wrong i mean i haven't seen it i i, I guess that they're right but it's just like i gotta 
fucking watch 22 hours of television to get to the good thing? Like, that's not fair. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's hard, right? It's hard to, like, come out of the gate firing on most cylinders, let alone all of them. Sure. Um, and, you know, you've been a part of the process. You've seen what notes do to pilot scripts. For sure. Not to mention which pilots get picked up. They right. they they pick the ones that are like, well, this has everything in it, and therefore it's bland and or is yeah. irritating in some way or is very grating in terms of its desperation to make the audience like it. I mean, look at your favorite TV viewing experience outside of The Wire, a.k.a. Lost. Sure. You know, that started out with that pilot that was $50 million, and it was beautiful and shot like a movie and crazy and whoa one of what the, the fuck is happening one of the greatest pilots if not the greatest pilot of all time i might argue i think uh, it's i mean it you you probably won't get much argument it's hard to argue with that i mean you have to you but have to detach, you follow you, that up right you have to detach it from the series in order to say that yes but it's like in terms of like ah it establishes the characters it's clever ways of introducing each one it's it's fascinating turns it's all this stuff and then i would even argue that the first several episodes are are that strong and was that's there, what it's all was there built a point on in lost where you were just like Like, you know how, like, season, like, episode four of Picard was when I really started to get frustrated and was like, this, I don't think they're going to be able to do what they're trying to do. Was there a point in Lost where you were like, they're not going to stick this landing? It's a really good question. There was certainly, there was, there was, there were a lot of questions very early on from inside Hollywood and from outside Hollywood, whether they knew that what was happening. Yeah. And I heard a lot of inside information that they did not know what they were doing. Which I believe. Um, it certainly seems that way based on the ending. Um, but uh, but I don't know if there was a turn that as a fan... Because I watched the whole thing. So I don't know if there was a turn where I was like, I am... I don't think I ever hit the point where I was like, I am certain they don't know where they're what they're doing or that they yeah. won't figure it out. Uh-huh. And that's why I was so mad at the end. Um, so in a lot of ways, it was your experience that five seasons of Lost. Wait, how many seasons was it? Uh, good question. Um, I, I want to say five. five, but I could yeah. be wrong. But so you those five seasons of Lost, we just compressed that down into 10 episodes for Picard. For the first season, six epi- six seasons of Lost. Okay, so what I'm saying is like I we I feel like we got the whole your your personal arc I ex, of of five years of lost I or six years of lost I experienced in ten weeks. I do think there was a point, but were you sure that it wasn't going to land? Uh oh, I wasn't sure until the last episode. I was so hopeful. So then what what is the turn you're talking about? Because I definitely there was somewhere in the first season that I was like, This is frustrating. Oh, the, so episode four of Picard, I just kind of was like This is the same information again. It's a pile up of mistakes. Yeah. Is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. 
we're going into we're going down a hole where we're starting to irritate them again. The people that oh, I, uh, that liked uh, Lost. Okay, uh, <laughs> sorry, all you Lost heads. Uh, don't worry, you're entitled to your own opinion. If you liked it, that's great. If you liked Lost, good for you. There's a lot of quality in there. Titus Welliver, aka Bosch, was also fantastic. Um, Does it was that narrative? No, no, I'm saying. I was saying that Titus Welliver in Lost. Oh, I see. Was gotcha. fantastic. Right. He's also Bosch. <laughs> Unrelated to the quality of Bosch. <laughs> he was good in that. He's the uh, man in black, right? He's also in Star Trek Voyager, Titus Welliver. Oh, oh I don't remember him. You'll you'll remember him when you see him in six years. Uh, okay, so it's time to actually talk about one of the great episodes of TNG, uh, often regaled at the, near the top of lists, uh, 50 greatest episodes of TNG, all the episodes of TNG you should watch, whatever in this episode routinely comes up. So here, I'll answer the question. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Yeah, why not? You really built that up as though that was going to go uh, yeah. be much no, more it's, emphatic. It's, uh, of course, it's a great episode. But it's like, it'll be fun to talk about. That's all I'll say. Uh, I think you have trouble giving it up. No, I don't. I gave it 10 two weeks ago. What was it to? I don't remember. I Borg. Oh, yeah. I don't have trouble giving it up. I have trouble. <laughs> I have trouble with... Pacing. I Although, I mean, I'd argue the pacing in this is very good, and this is still probably an eight to between an eight and a ten. Whoa! Don't don't blow the surprise. Stay tuned. <laughs> By the way, this is everyone skips ahead to when the episode discussion starts. So anyway, let's head over to the Admirals Club. All right. How do they get into the Admirals Club, Matt? Uh, they head over to Apple Podcasts. They leave a five-star review. You can write whatever you want. As long as it's five stars, you will be uh, eligible to be uh, in the Admirals Club. Here's one. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I said, who's first? Here's one. Oh, there you go. Who's first? Um, who's, from first? <laughs> who's first? <laughs> from James. Third base. <laughs> Third base. Uh, I think every one of our episodes is basically a two and a half hour version of the, of the, the Abbott and Costello <laughs> routine of two people not understanding or hearing each other. Um James Perkins writes us my third favorite Frank Sinatra podcast. <laughs> Um, I like Matt and Dan a lot, and they could pass the old blue eyes boys for second favorite, but I feel like they talk about space shit a lot. <laughs> really funny. The old blue uh, eyes boys. That's probably actually a podcast. It's got to be something. The old blue eyes boys. Welcome to the old blue eyes boys. We should review. You know what you're going to hear about this week? Frankie again. We should do an episode, Andy, where uh, we sit and review Brent Spiner's crooner album Old Yellow Eyes oh yeah that'd be great I'd love to do that I have no problem with the offshoots part of, part of the Frank Sinatra come on segment it'll be an expanded segment did I ever tell you I, I went to see Tuvok play I've, I've seen him at the Kibitz 
Yeah, that's where I saw him. Oh yeah, that's Sunday nights usually. I mean, oh wait, no, it's not where ago. I saw him. I saw him somewhere else. But he he mentioned. I chatted with him afterwards, and he mentioned that he he does it at the Kibitz too. Uh, great band, really yeah, fun. He's in, a, he's in a, I would call it a blues fusion band. Yeah, that's accurate. It kind of yeah. honestly, it kind of reminded me of the of the Blues Brothers. <laughs> sort of that fun, kind of rock and rock and yeah. blues band i mean i remember i first when i first came out to la i worked at the grove and you know up the street was the kibitz and we'd get off work we'd drink at the farmer's market yeah and then they closed at like 10 and then we'd wander up fairfax and end up at the kibitz yeah and i remember the first time i went in there and i was like oh this band is playing very loudly i go in and i'm like holy shit it's tim russ <laughs> yeah just playing at the fucking tiny bar attached to the deli. That's the um, fun of L.A., guys. It really is. Um, yeah, that's. I love seeing. I love thinking of a young Matt Myra going up to the Kibitz room to to watch Tuvok play. Look, I, like something you would that enjoy. was my my whole my twenties existed on Fairfax because I would always end up down at Bergen's as well. So I was at yeah. Tom Bergen's and the two bars at the farmer's market and then actually sometimes we'd get as far as the surly goat up on santa monica but it was all off fairfax the surly goat i think i've been there but i don't remember anything about it great bar guys if you want a drinking guide to los angeles circa my 20s let me know okay andy who's the next admiral um, the next admiral is Lieutenant Dan Billing. It's a new uh, new, new uh, lieutenant at our president's level on the Patreon who writes us uh, the no-win scenario. I've been an avid podcast listener for years and even made a few. On the recommendation of another lieutenant, Neil Studd, I've been brutally, brutally, he says, <laughs> catching up with this podcast at any time I can. In bed, in the shower, at the gym, <laughs> on the train to work, and whilst working. It's podcast, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it never stops coming. It's, it's, that's what I'm saying. He's not saying that. This podcast is one of the most fun, most irreverent, and entertaining of any James Bond included. James Bonding included. <laughs> I really appreciated that. High, high praise. <laughs> like to be ranked above the other, the, the, my my uh, my competitors in the Myraverse. Um, I just listened to the host, and Matt's Dalek impression sounded like a constipated duck on helium. Um, <laughs> I do an awesome array of Dalek voices. If you ever need one, they're the best villains on TV. Expect a voice, email, and other hails in the future. Looking forward to hearing even more news on Ensign Myra. Live long and prosper. Secunda! He says, "Nice. That's a true fan. He's got all the references in there. Well, he's been listening to it day and night, so I assume we Poor should guy. have some of them. <laughs> I hope that uh, during his local shutdown, he had time to take a break from us and sort of meditate without us in his ears, without a yeah. train commute. <laughs> Me too. Uh, um, any, that's it. Any more admirals? We're that's it for head the admirals. Out of the admirals club over to the president's circle. And that was the admirals." Of 
Here we are at the, I would say, most luxurious part of the ship, Andy. It's the President's Circle. If you want to get in here, all you got to do is head over to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC and uh, join. Join us for yeah. more podcasts than you can handle. At the uh, Currently at the lieutenant's level, uh, week one, we're covering uh, Star Trek Discovery. Uh, you need three hours episodes. and four minutes of oh Andy goodness. and I discussing two episodes <laughs> of Discovery. We just even, put it up yesterday. Even these two windbags, we look at the time when we're done and we're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, week three, uh, we're, we're uh, getting into Star Trek Enterprise. Um, and then at the President's Circle level, uh, week two, we are doing Marveling. We're covering the MCU uh, movies. Uh, Marveling with Matt and Andy. And on week four, we're doing Star Trek Voyager. So if you're interested... Shoot over to our Patreon, Star Trek TNC, patreon.com slash forward slash Star Trek TNC. I'm the worst pitchman that ever was. Also, um, to break yeah. down Andy's brain of how he explained that to everyone, uh, presidents, you get all four of those. President Circle members get all four of those podcasts. Andy just did it in release schedule. His brain yeah. went in a, in a chronological order. <laughs> well, we get questions about, well, what's what week? So just letting people know the week. Oh, but I guess you can find maybe, it on the, on the Patreon. Look, so maybe It's on a weekly schedule it. now. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's always going to be on the correct weekly schedule. We might uh, shove two into one week. You never know. Oh, interesting. He wants to screw these poor people. No, I don't. We're just th- this week, they'll be getting two in one week. Will they? Is that how yeah. it's going Break out this because week? we put up Discovery on Sunday or Monday. I see. So you just gonna, it's like it's like one night you get pizza and then the next night you're like, you know what? I want another pizza. What are you oh, gonna do? Because pizza is so versatile. We sure. are the pizza of Patreon. No pizzas um, are included. You also can leave your uh, priority one messages there, where you'll get special attention to your uh, hails and commentary, and you might be selected uh, for a Christopher Pike Medal of Valor such as these two awardees. The first one is Lieutenant Eric Peoples, who writes us uh, in regards to our last episode, the next phase. Was that Riker's jazz band? Where do they play their gigs? (laughs) Ten Forward always has some string quartet or piano deal going on. Are the other bars, lounges differently themed, or is everything a boring hotel lobby with chessboards on every table? I think it's the latter. That's disappointing. I think everything is a boring hotel lounge and uh Riker's it's, band I feel like when it certainly Dana, does fit the style of of the Enterprise D we've seen for when Data was planning it he was like I guess I'll put a trombone here for him you think he resentfully did it you I think, think he, he did was... it like you know he's very thoughtful android yeah and I suppose he has no emotional connotation with the trombone but he can detect uh mediocre playing I mean, you know, it's possible, Matt, that uh, the trombone player just had sort of sidled up to the bar and was getting a drink on his break, and then he went back, and uh, and Riker had picked up his bone. Well, Riker, that is a fast way to catch space COVID. That's true. <laughs> what are they doing? Um, I assume they haven't f- fixed COVID by the 24th century. They haven't. Um, they haven't cured the common cold. Is that true? Yeah. I think, I've, I, think I knew that. Um... 
They put Beverly on it. Zing! Oh, uh, Lieutenant Zachariah Seville writes us, Hey, Andy. This is our second Christopher Pike Medal of Valor awardee. Hey, Andy. Polite nod to Matt. Uh, I've just joined the President's Circle. I had only been an admiral for less than a month, but much like in my life, I plateaued instantly with little enjoyment for the moment. <laughs> Boy, do I get that, Zachariah. I really get you, buddy. Uh, you call that a spread? The chafing dishes aren't warm. The mac and cheese didn't have any lobster in it. And the dessert tray had no tiramisu. On to the President's Circle Lounge, where the prune juice flows, and I can enjoy authentic cellular peptid peptide cake with mm-hmm. mint frosting uh seriously though love the show and i'm happy to support it was a little birthday present to myself and i'm really enjoying the content if the hollow dj is taking any requests please bring back oops i did it again and genie in a bottle i laughed out <laughs> loud at the latter uh, in a department store terrifying the staff the first time i heard that <laughs> zachariah uh seville like the cadillac i'm the president there you go he's not though He's not the president. <laughs> so you've been switching it up, Matt. Captain, we are being hailed. Don't we do the priority, priority one messages one message in? Coming in on secured channel. We're, we're out in the hallway with them. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I thought you wanted to do the priority one messages in the president's okay. circle because those it's are okay. the people that are in the president's circle. I never remember what I want, so let's go. <laughs> All right. Priority one messages from our patrons. Who's up Someone, first, Andy? Hang, hang on just one second. Uh, Secunda to uh, the uh, president circle lounge. Hey, uh, we're reading them out in the hallway in the corridor. If you want to, if anybody wants to hear there, see if they uh, they have their getting their hail read. Uh, you should come back out. Oh, yeah, it's a bunch of people. They're all, they're all piling into the hallway now. <laughs> uh, Lieutenant Commander Cosmo Moore wrote, writes us, Andy, you finished Red Dead 2 yet? I have finished Red Dead 2. Did we not talk about it here? Oh, hang on, guys. Presidents, calm down. Calm down. <laughs> guys, yes, no, I know. Hang on. Hang on. Guys. <sighs> okay. Go ahead, Andy. Uh, he's asking about Red Dead 2. I thought we did a... Maybe we talked about it in... Oh, did we have a special Red Dead 2? We were talking no. about it. No, we didn't. We talked we definitely about it ta- on the show. We talked about I it on the Patreon. I don't remember what episode it was. Anyway, probably, I finished it. You probably finished it like a month and a half ago. Yeah. Uh, I I enjoy... I think it's an amazing, amazing game. Like, as with the last one, I think I was kind of like, oh, wait, that's it? Oh, this is weird. So... Um, I understand why it kind of is sort of open-ended and then it keeps going, but uh, I somehow wanted something more. Well, I mean, that's always sort of the problem with open-world games when you finish the story. Is it? Is it generally yeah. that's what that's how it... Yeah. Like when you're GTA Five, for instance, like when you're done with it, you just sort of wind up playing a lot of golf with Trevor and Michael. I feel like... Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I feel like the Batman games come to a satisfying conclusion. They never end because you'll never. They never end, but the story trophies. part of it feels like it's pretty satisfying. Yeah, how'd our okay. Arkham Knight feel to you? You know, I'm c- confused now about whether I don't know that I finished Arkham Knight. I bet that one will feel like Red Dead to you. All right. Oh, you think it'll be? Mm-hmm. You, I'll be unhappy with it. I don't want to give any spoilers. How old I is don't. Arkham Knight? Okay, then I won't. About 
But like the big, that's the one where the big thing happens to the whole city, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. The fear and, toxin. And then does it stay going or does he clear it up? He clears it up. But, I mean, the ending is... All right, I'll, I'll go back and I'll see if I finish it. Yeah, or just go watch it on YouTube. Save yourself the time. Uh, Lieutenant Impatient Jeff writes us, uh, I want to play the game. I like the game. Uh, he, he's not saying this. That was me going back to my point. <laughs> Lieutenant Impatient Jeff says, outside of Data, who is the go-to away team member? Uh, it seems like Worf is on all of them. Yeah, I would say Worf is the one. Yeah. Uh, um, and then Jordy or Data. Right. Although it seems like Riker's on all of them, really. You know, Lieutenant Commander Arrington... Uh, I you know I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't kick a uh, a chart of who, who's the uh, <laughs> who's uh, who who's the top the away, away team, team member. It's I think it's Riker. M V A T. I bet I bet best of both worlds one and two sort of get Riker removed from that because he has to be on the bridge as the captain. That's true. So like and there's like two or three away missions that he's not on. Was in Best of Both Worlds, he didn't go in to try and steal the steal Picard? No, he was on the ship. There you go. Lieutenant Dylan Ekmalian. What a great name. Um, as a young kid, I always made sure to read all the credits at the beginning of the show. Chalk it up to my OCD, I guess. But I noticed there are several types of producers. Would you mind taking a quick second to explain the roles each has. I've looked them up. I still don't really understand. I appreciate it. Executive producer, supervising producer, co-producer, producer, showrunner. Not looking for much detail. Just a quick description would be awesome. Thanks. Also, for a fun laugh, watch how uh, Klingons work an ancient door in season one episode, The Neutral Zone, 150 into the episode. Even way back then, Worf never gets his way. LOL. I don't know what that's in reference to. Uh... You're not alone in not desi- desi- you know, understanding what the various levels of producers do. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, I mean, there's like, there's mid-level, upper level. The showrunner, we can tell you, is essentially what a, what a film, what, in, what a director is in film. That's what a, that's what a showrunner is in, uh, in television. They're basically, they're the captain of the ship. They make the final say. They decide down to the minutest detail what goes in the script or what doesn't go in the script. You can write a script. They could rewrite it. They could shuffle it around. Um, it's really their vision. Uh, so that's showrunner. Um, and their title is executive producer. And generally speaking, they're executive producer, yes. Uh and then all the other ones are kind of a little bit interchangeable. They're all they're all called producers. See, there are also producers in television, but some of those producers are what we call line producers, who are the people who are really like doing the nuts and bolts budgets and organizing everything. Whereas the supervising producer, for instance, is just sort of a, a lower to mid level um, writer um, that they gave producer credits to. So most of those producer credits are all writers. Yes. And then, yeah, essentially you start as a staff writer. Here's how the levels go. Uh, staff writer, story editor, executive story editor, uh, co-producer, producer, supervising producer, co-EP, EP. 
when we get up to, to the co-EP the and EP level, that's sort of the upper level veterans, generally speaking, or someone who created the show and sort of jumped the the hierarchy. Um, there you go. That hopefully it. helps you a little bit in your understanding. And if you find out more, let us know. We're trying to figure out how to advance our careers. Uh, Lieutenant Frederick Rombouts writes us, uh, I seem to. I think we were discussing, because I saw ND in the script, and he says, I seem to remember ND um, standing for nondescript crewman, according to an old copy of the book, The Making of Star Trek. Wow. Although, to, although to be fair, I can't put a cop, I hit my hands on a copy of that book uh, right now, so I can't look it up. By the way, the book's cover touts itself as the book on how to write for TV inside baseball. That's interesting. I think, uh, wait, is he asking for the clip? And inside baseball. I guess there it's appropriate because that definite, that previous hail was, for sure, was one of the most inside baseball that we've ever done. Mm-hmm. Lieutenant Brandon Davis writes us, this is a cross series message and also how Game of Thrones ruined TV for me. Um, so many of these episodes have false stakes where we know that the main characters are not going to die. The best of both worlds held the tension longer as there were outside considerations with Sir Patrick's contract. Mm-hmm. The episode held the potential to be uh, amazing had Roe or Jordy actually died. Andy uh, remarked about how cool it would have been if Paris was actually killed in the episode for a Voyager and made it more made more impact, even if they reset the clock at the end. Um, this is inside Patreon discussion. This is why, to me, the first five seasons of Game of Thrones was incredible because the main characters died and it All moved the, the story forward. <laughs> yeah. Picard <laughs> always being the captain, Riker never taking command, and the Corbridge staff staying together for seven seasons. The feeling of real tension is low. Dr. Crusher going away and in season two was an anomaly that should have continued for other members, adding a bit of realism to the show. Hmm. Um, Interesting. You'd like, some, you'd like some reassignments in the seven years. It's a strong stance, but I do. I will say that is a reason why I think Game of Thrones, for some of its flaws, has ranked so high in terms of my viewing experience for me because I would just watch every episode and have this incredibly unique for the modern era experience of I love these characters and I have no idea what's going to happen. But I feel like they did that even in plot. They would just take these wild swings in the plot, which is primarily was a pattern set by George R. R. Martin and then continued by the If anything, that when once they were off George R. R. Martin's books, I would say that they pulled back a little bit from those kinds of things because as television writers they were like I don't want to kill this character. It was too hard to build this character, and I got right. I got like forty episodes of television left to write. Uh, do you think that if I had a dragon egg, if you had a dragon egg, do you think that your dragons would have done more than Khaleesi's dragons? Yeah, I, I think that <laughs> do you think uh, they would have played a, played a more important part in the Andy Secunda game of secundus yeah i think so i think that i think that the iron throne would have been mine but, sure uh, but i think i would have been i think i would have been dragon. Cous, cousin of dragons i don't think i would have been mother of dragons all right friend andy secunda friend to dragons. yeah it would just be friend to dragons we would hang out we would watch tv 
We would eat pizza. I love it. They would they would singe my steaks. They would get my steaks all nice and crispy. Oh, nice! So you'd like sous vide some steaks, and then you'd have the dragons finish them. One hundred percent. Okay. Um, Mark Movie King Schultes writes us, uh, "Hey Andy, hey Matt, hey Bo, Andy, as a fellow romancer, I know lame, but hey, let's get that trending anyways." I side note, I love that romancer is, is such a genius. <laughs> you understand what he's doing there, right? It's on, it's on the page in front of me. It's row is separated from man. Oh, so I see. In reference to. I did not so I didn't know if it was, was being doing. Was communicated. I Love it. I thought you were just like loving the phrase. No, romancer. Love it. Uh, I hate to inform you, Andy, uh, although that although the next phase isn't her last appearance, it isn't far off. Roe only appears two more times. This surprised me. Once in season six in Rascals and finally in season seven in Preemptive Strike. So I really, nobody tell me. I really look forward to like is she just supposedly like O'Brien which he also does a rundown of like on the ship but nobody's talking to her or or has she come back in nobody tell me uh, I guess what I'm saying is we're inching toward the home stretch but fear not because that just means there's only three more Alexander episodes and one more Luxana episode that is <laughs> until they both show up on DS9 <laughs> That's the silver lining for all of us. Um, Lieutenant Catherine Gartner writes us, you should really watch Outlander. Just skip the sex. Uh, this okay. I don't know. Skip the sex? Why am I skipping the sex? You've heard the jingle? <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, and that's it for... Well, I guess we're already out in the hallway, so just no, hit, hang hit on, another... Guys, okay, everyone, you can head back in, okay? Okay? <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, no, just... Okay, yes, right through there. Okay. Thank you. They're, they're a little confused. Okay, thanks, guys. <laughs> they're very confused. They were holding... They're holding their plates of. Uh, of oh, they're uh, gone now. We don't know what they're doing. Fried uh, sweet potatoes in their hands. They were. Uh... All right, let's uh, hit the real hails. Captain, incoming message. Incoming message. Chris Roa writes us, dear Matt and Andy. Perhaps the Zatvash's hate, fear, and pure, unassuageable loathing for artificial intelligence, including androids, explains why Romulans are motivated to destroy the ship with the Federation's only synthetic life form. He means in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, live long and prosper, Chris. So he's saying that was the reason they were trying to destroy it, is they were like, wait a minute, one of those guys is on the oh, ship. <laughs> we send this power beam back, it'll kill them, and we will have done well. Even though they're doing nothing but help us. <laughs> what a bunch of... Romulans. <laughs> Romulans. Lieutenant, oh, actually, he's not a lieutenant. He's just a regular guy. Ensign Charles Lemon. Is he even an ensign? He's probably crewman. Charles Lemon writes us, uh, Good day, gentlemen. Uh, I know why Jordy and Roe didn't fall through the floors. The deck plates, the deck plates mm. are the source of gravity for the decks. Because of this, they were prevented from passing through the floors as the materials that provide the ship's gravity interfered with their phased molecules in a similar fashion to the Anians that made it harder for Jordy to pass his hand through the engineering panel. Love the pod. You guys are awesome. I wonder if he's talking about when Roe had difficulty passing her hand through the... No, he's talking about when when Jordy was punching into the pool table in engineering and 
data kept hitting the beam and then it was harder for him to go through. Oh, I see. Gotcha. Gotcha. That is a pretty good audience fixed it right there. I like it. It makes perfect sense. Mars didn't get it because his way to tired. But somebody got it, sent in a hail, and now the plot points side. Thank you. Um, and then we got a prime corrective. Uh, here we go. probably just me it's a little bit of a of a bs one because uh, you're usually joking when you say this i would say always joking but uh lieutenant neil stud writes us uh matt keeps joking that o'brien is absent because colomini was filming the englishman who went up a hill and came down a mountain <laughs> always. That, wasn't in, <laughs> that wasn't until 1985 look at looking at the 19 late 1992 release schedule and the length of their shoots it was most likely that Colm was working on Under Siege. <laughs> I disagree. It was definitely the Englishman who went up a hill and came down I a mean, mountain. Neil, you don't realize how long that was in production. I mean, that also, was like I heaven, feel like that was, was like Apocalypse his, Now. It was his baby. He probably ushered that into production. <laughs> he probably got Hugh Grant to sign on so it could get made. He also probably dragged out production because he's being very difficult. My character wouldn't do this. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, and then I have a face group open. If my character is going up a hill, he's coming down a mountain. Thank you, Colm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have one face group. But uh, you're Irish. You're not even in uh, I don't understand. Oh, face group. Here you go. Photoshop Matt with Data's cat. And who put Andy's face on that? Just take a look. It's on Facebook. It's in our face group. Uh, if you'd like to join our face group, uh, it's on Facebook. Um, and um, just look for Star Trek The Next Conversation. It's a delightful group of people in there that are now doing live listening parties for this podcast. God help them. Uh, Stara Stefansis says, thank you, Andy, for giving the MVC to Jordy in our watch party. Everyone else picked data. I thought that Jordy deserved it since he was the only one who actually, uh, was actually fate since, sorry, I apologize, Sarah, uh, Deserved it since he was the one that was actually phased and had to do so much of the heavy lifting on his own and had to try to find a way to force Data to take certain actions without his knowledge. He had to prove that he and Roe were alive not to not just Data, but Roe also. Plus, he was the one in actual peril, as opposed to Data, who was just going along with the fact that they were dead. I know that Data was, an assen- was essential to figuring it out, but come on. Uh, also, we had so many of the same conversations you guys did. What a great episode. So, I think she means what a great episode for us, but she also could just no. Be I think she means what a great what a great watchdown, right? Wait, so they're she must be referring to the fact that she's they're watching the episode, the, and then separate from that, also. Oh, listening you to might the be episode. right. You might be yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, because the, our, ours would be a listening party, not a yes. watching party, unless they're inside the house. Yeah. They are doing listening parties, though. Um, that's it for the face group. Right. You want to hit the face group close? Sure. This is the end of the face group. <laughs> I forgot we had that one. <laughs> uh, if you have a hail, uh, you get priority access. You get priority access by uh, joining the Patreon uh, on our priority one messages. 
Uh, or you can write us for free at sdtncpod at gmail.com. Please put the title of the episode, uh, The Hail is Regarding, um, and try to keep it a little bit brief. You can find at find Matt Myra at, at Matt Myra on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me on Instagram at, at Andrew Secunda and on Twitter at, at Secunda. And if you would like to send us a voice hail, please do so at 816-TREK-TNC. All right. Now. Thanks, everybody. Let's head over to the episode. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hails made us think of all your faces. Sit comfortably in your humble abode. Let's talk about this week's episode. Now, when you say, let's head over to the episode, is that a, are we walking down the corridor to a different and even further different place? Yeah, it's a different panel, but the same corridor. <laughs> I see. Uh, <clears throat> it's time to talk about The Inner Light, which aired the week of June 1st, 1992, Andy. Exciting. What was happening in the world when that show was airing? I'll tell you, Matt. The number one song in the U.S. continued to be Jump by Criss Cross. Uh, in the U.K., the song was Please Don't Go by Cable U.S. Again, the movie, number one movie, was Lethal Weapon 3. Number one book, Jewels by Danielle Steele. The number one TV show, Roseanne. Uh, Deaths that week, screenwriter Philip Dunn. Um, and uh, for events, Bill Clinton appears on the Arsenio Hall show and sits in on, with a saxophone. Yeah. What a time. Wiggity wiggity whack. All right, what is everyone. he saying is wiggity wiggity whack in that song? What's that? What is he saying is wiggity wiggity whack in that song? Uh, hang on. Wait a second, I missed it. Okay, so he's saying that you should be wearing your clothes uh, front to back, backwards. Uh-huh. Saying they that did. the trend of inside-out clothing is yeah. now wiggity-wiggity-whack. Oh, bold statement. There you by, go. By, I'm guessing, trendsetters. one of the by Chris's. Trendsetters. <laughs> yeah. They're trendsetters. <laughs> yep. They set the trend. Uh, okay, everybody. It is uh, an episode directed by Peter Loriston, teleplay by Morgan Gendel and Peter Allen Fields, and story by I think you're Morgan forgetting something incredibly Oh, important. I'm not forgetting something. I'm forgetting something. But it's right here. Time to find out what was happening in the life of the chairman. For that segment, everybody hates. Frank <laughs> Sinatra, come on! Thank God, Andy. That was you almost really disrespecting the chairman of the board right there. there. <laughs> you do not want to get on Frank's bad side, even in no, death. I don't. All right, here's what was going on with old Frank's old blue eyes. Old Frank's. Um, the previous night, Frank finished a six-night run. At the Royal Albert Hall in London. Nice. Oh, wow. So between last week's episode and this week's episode, he did six shows at the Royal Albert Hall. <laughs> week, we really could not have picked a better person to do this with. He never stopped doing, never stopped performing. It would be his last appearance at the renowned venue. He met Prime Minister John Major, 
uh, jazz vocalist Cleo Lane opened it for Frank. Wow. So he left Shirley stateside and headed over, huh? Sure. Hey, listen, Shirley, you got to stay over here. I don't think I can get you into the country. Those limeys like to see their own. Actually, I don't even know if she's British. (laughs) All right. Now that Frank has been dealt with, it's actually time to say, it's the inner light directed by Peter Lauriston. (laughs) Teleplay by Morgan Gendel and Peter Allen Field. Story by Morgan Gendel. And this is the synopsis from Larry Nemechek's book, Star Trek The Next Generation Companion Revised Edition. Cleo Lane was British. Uh, While traveling between missions, the Enterprise encounters an unassuming-looking probe. It begins transmitting a nucleonic beam that manages to penetrate the shields and lock directly onto Picard. The captain collapses to the deck, unconscious. As Dr. Crusher works over him, the captain awakens to what seems to him a dream. He is on the drought-stricken planet of Catan, where he is an iron weaver named Cayman, married to a young woman named Aline. The days pass into years for him, and Picard finally accepts his new life as reality. Uh, Aline bears two children by him. The drought continues to get worse, and despite the support of his friend Bataille, people laugh at his high-tech plans to provide relief. Back on the Enterprise Bridge, though, only a few minutes have passed, and Picard still lies unconscious. Uh, growing more concerned for his captain's safety, Riker orders Data to break the beam. The disruption nearly kills Picard, and it has to be restored as the crew awaits in frustration. Meanwhile, the aging Cayman watches his children grow, his wife and friend die, and his planet dry up. Finally, the truth is revealed. The Catan sun is going Nova, but without means to evacuate, the planetary leaders have decided to gain immortality by launching records of their world in a probe, and thus revealing their story for some future historian. The probe Picard realizes is the very same one the Enterprise encountered what now seems like years ago. And he is the historian the Catan we're looking for. (laughs) To his bridge crew's relief, Picard awakens uh, to the staggering realization that he has lived over 30 years in less than half an hour. That's how I feel most of the time. (laughs) That's how... It feels like we uh, cram 40 years of podcasting into an episode. That's true. And we have hundreds of episodes. So so many. We're so old. So thousands. We're like millennia old. We're like Admiral McCoy. <laughs> we need to be walked down the uh, uh, hallway gingerly by a young data. Uh, okay. Well, it's a different podcast, but <laughs> the name's the same, so that's what's important. You treat her right, and she'll always bring you home. <laughs> uh, let's get into it, Andy. All right. Captain's Log, Stardate 45944.1. Following a magnetic wave survey of the Parvenium system, we have detected an object which we cannot immediately identify. I would prefer that they started every Captain's Log with uh, whatever the last week's episode was. Well, it'd, do, be, don't you... like, it'd be easy to do. It's VO. But don't you think it sort of lends more to us nerds to be like, oh, what happened between that episode and that episode? There's like untold stories of their other missions that we don't see. 
Yeah, you're probably right, but I still want continuity. <laughs> do you Thank want you do you want them to kind of like uh uh just be like as soon as something is resolved in the last episode On to the next adventure. <laughs> we see we see it pick up exactly there in the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> just like well, wow, that was like what they could do is like that was crazy that Jordy and Roe were you know we thought they were dead they're like the music is still playing and then they're suddenly like hey there's something on the screen downstairs oh I wouldn't be that mad at that <laughs> crazy if they it's had all like 26 one... crazy adventures every year come on <laughs> it would be all like one year it appears to be a probe of some kind but there is no Starfleet you know I think they kind of did that not not that hardcore because there are definitely time jumps, but I think the intention in Breaking Bad is that like three or four of the seasons are supposed to have happened over you know something like a year or something crazy like that. I don't have a problem with that. I don't Nick either. Gillian knows what he's doing. It's of note. He sure sure does. Record of this shape or design. Is it scanning us? No, sir. But it has assumed a relative position and is holding course with us. The probe is composed of parisium and talgonite, a ceramic alloy. Not a very sophisticated technology, sir. Parisium is what they make Parisi squares from. I'm detecting a low-level nucleonic beam coming from the probe. Shields up. Stand by, phasers. The beam is scanning the shield's perimeter. Yes. <laughs> the probe is an unusual particle stream. Sir, the beam is penetrating our shields. Increase speed to... I'm firing. Captain. It's all right. By this the way, is, Riker is right on top of that. Gen- this is this is one of the most... Somebody make a gif of this, because this is the most Ricard... One of the most Ricard moments. <laughs> he grabs him tenderly by the back of his neck. <laughs> I just think he's on top of it. You know, he's so ready to to of course help. He's, help. He spends all his time staring at the guy. Of course, he's usually, ready to catch him. Usually in Star Trek, you know, people just look to the left as someone falls. <laughs> <laughs> Captain, I've got you. Look at this. <laughs> I've got you. I wish. What if he, what if he leaned in to kiss him? <laughs> I I wish Aline had a beard. Like the probes, <laughs> just as, as, the, as the transition, the brain yeah, was kept the beard. <laughs> be such a hilarious, <laughs> dumb way to make that transition. <laughs> just for one shot, she had a beard. <laughs> oh, finally! How are you feeling, Cayman? Can you answer me? What is this place? You're still feverish. Computer, freeze program. Smart move. Computer, end program. Cayman. So his first thought is, I fell asleep in a holodeck. I guess. Or somebody put him in a holodeck. (laughs) What I'd like to imagine then is that that tells us that a lot of times Picard goes into the holodeck... And just drifts off as Dixon Hill or, you know, rando, whatever, Sherlock Holmes character. Look, bro, I would 100% be Barkley if if I had access to a holodeck. I would be in there eating. I would be in there hanging out. I would be doing, uh, I would sleeping. I'd be doing everything in there. Like when you went to go eat, what would you, what would your, what would the scenario be? I might uh, make a lot of visits to, uh, 
But what you're just saying in general? Or what restaurant would I visit? <laughs> no, it's like, I feel like if I was like downtime and I'd, I'd, I'd like go pull up cheers and drink inside the TV bar with everybody. Yeah, that would be fun. Um, let's see. Good question. Good question. I mean, the truth is, as as fun it would as it would be to kind of be on the Enterprise D, it's not. It's like for all our jokes about the the hotel lobby, it's like it's not that great an environment to to eat in. Um, maybe something out of Star Wars. Uh, it'd be fun to go into the cantina. You'd eat in the cantina. Look, I'm not. It's, it's dangerous not, in there. The cleanliness doesn't carry over it. Left and right. It's the, so they don't is, serve droids. So is Dixon. Why are you calling me a droid? Am I a droid in this scenario? <laughs> I don't know how you programmed it, but if you you were the C three PO, I mean you're shaped like three PO, and I'm shaped like R two D two. So we just wander around. They're not letting us in. <laughs> Even though you made me the humanoid one, I'm still offended at that comparison. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think it'd be cool Han Solo sitting in the corner drinking your drink. And the only problem is I wouldn't be. I would be fucking stuffing my face. With blue milk. With blue milk. I actually have a friend who's gone to the place frequently. They kept the uh, the pop-up, the cantina pop-up up in L.A. Yes, she, Kevin she goes back to it. I'm going to make another visit there when, when I'm allowed to make another visit. <laughs> uh, well, may the force be with you. Why, thank you. Picard to Enterprise. Live Kevin, long and force. Please don't get okay. You're still not well. I asked you, what is this place? This is your home. Of course. Oh, my God. Uh, I have a claim to fame for this lady. Oh, really? I sure do. I didn't Captain anticipate Long, that. Let me just go ahead over to the A Secundus Claim to Fame button. Which I seem to have lost somewhere. I kind of even feel like Starfleet Academy would be a, a nicer environment to eat than the Enterprise. I just find it crazy that you would... Uh, here we go, first of all. Secundus Claim to Fame. From something big. Um, I know her from, and I, and she's been in a ton of stuff. Uh, what's her name? Something Rose. I had it in front of me. Now it's gone. Um, but uh, I know her from. A t- she's been in a million TV shows and small parts and everything. But where I had a classic Secunda lock on, uh, I know her, and it's from something I've seen again and again and again. It's from Forty Eight Hours. Hmm. She is one of the two girlfriends of the villains, and uh, she pretends to be... Sorry, hang on. Got a little jumpy there on the uh, sound. That's on me. Girlfriend of one of the villains. Continue, Andy. She pretend. I can never figure out why in the, the show. Oh, you know who the other girlfriend is? I don't. Denise Crosby. <laughs> what? I didn't even put that together until just now. Oh, my God. And Denise Crosby pretends that she is not the the girlfriend of the main villain. I know him from something big. For some bizarre reason. And then uh, 
and then at the end it's revealed that that this lady was the girlfriend of the main villain and it's or Denise Crosby is and I don't understand why they even bother doing that those two ladies but anyway Andy figures out 48 hours <laughs> I love 48 hours I highly recommend it there's a lot of another there's a lot of hours. questionable uh, uh, language and you know it's it's very much of its time but it's just such a great crime movie and comedy movie what about another 48 hours how do you feel not that good <laughs> reasonable uh, okay he's backing up I walk backwards here? Is this what I do? Do we all walk backwards? <laughs> I'm trying to blend in. Please, dear, you've had a high fever for three days. You mustn't push yourself too quickly. Margot Rose, that's her name. Cayman? He shouldn't go outside. He is. Could not be acting more suspiciously. <laughs> uh, let's see. What are you going to tackle here, buddy? How how long, Andy, would it take you before you were like, okay, I guess this is reality and the other thing was a dream? <sighs> Good question. I mean, I've definitely had dreams that I thought were real, and then I wake up and I go, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It's a really interesting question because it's the dream, the, theoretically, the dream of being on the Enterprise would have been so detailed and covered a lifetime. Yes. And this, so, he, would have, he would have no recollection of the previous 55 uh, years. I think I would have I think I would have I think I would have been like him. I think I never really would have fully given it up. I think it's just But he does. Well that's what's sort of odd and I wonder if if we're gonna kind of sort of explain the plot in a way that it's not fully explained. I wonder if the technology kind of somehow helped facilitate him. <laughs> you know, like some kind of chemical on a chemical basis sort of accepting this reality because like I even even the idea they do a really good job of 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 making what's kind of a far fetched thing that Picard would accept being part of this family as as something we can accept, but even from the first step of accepting that he was married to this lady, and then you know engaging in deciding to build a nursery. <laughs> Well, that's like that's not even five years in. That's like something like seven years in. <laughs> so that is more more plausible. But I think it feels like he has he has intercourse with her sooner, <laughs> is what it seems to imply. <laughs> um, although they haven't had kids five years in, so maybe they never do have sex. <laughs> Please come Certainly back fits inside. my theory about Picard. But I guess he chooses to live with her and treat her as his wife. Which seems like it's a little far-fetched for Picard. What do you think about that? Uh, I think it's sort of... I, I imagine it's his way of laying low. 
while he tries to figure it out. Just pretending he's part of the family until Just he figures sort of out what's like, going on. Okay, I'll sort of stay here and this will be my home as I try to figure out where the fuck the Enterprise is. How long would you take? Or do you think you also would never buy it? I mean, I don't know that I would ever get there. But out of pure laziness, maybe a day and a half. I think there's also an element, and I think we're supposed to take... Wait, a day and a half, and then you would accept that that was the reality? That was the joke. Oh. <laughs> Out of laziness, I'd be like, eh, I guess my wife, child, and dog aren't real. Okay, <laughs> what's for dinner? As long as the soup is good. <laughs> as long um, as it's delicious. Do you ser- seriously, how long do you think it would be? I, I don't think I'd ever... Accept it. No. Although, you know, it's funny. You think about memories, right? And you think about how as time passes, they sort of become more echoes or, you know, just sort of like you kind of remember it. Like they never seemed real to a certain degree to start with. (laughs) Like if you even think back to your childhood, it's like, do you remember the memory or you just... Do you remember the actual event, or are you just remembering the memory? Yeah, I would definitely not be able to convince someone that I am myself, since right. I don't remember anything. You also don't see fa- you don't know faces. You'd probably walk around thinking you were on the Enterprise. If I was ever, <laughs> if I ever, if I was ever in a face-off with a doppelganger, and it's like one of those kill him, not me yeah. situations, I would lose that face-off. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me something only you would know. I don't remember anything. <laughs> well, that might be it. That might be the thing that saves you, Andy. Oh, yeah. That would be the thing that proves it's me. These people seem to be obsessed with plants. This sapling is planted as an affirmation of life in defiance of the drought and with expectations of long life. Whatever comes, you will keep it alive as a symbol of our survival. Yes, 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 this tree. (laughs) That's our answer. I got a claim to fame for this guy, too. Uh, Richard Relay. By the way, this mustache he's pictured with on IMDb, top notch. Really? Andy, what is your claim to fame? Do you need this? Do you need the jingle hit? I uh, know, I don't care. Um, he you was care. again. I do. Stop uh, talking. Secundus claim to fame. Again, someone who has a million different. Start credits. talking again. Oh, does it go on that long? Yes, it just finished. Because you have you have that, that that pause, and then it's this audio clip of you saying, "I know him from something big." Oh, you're right. I got to remember that. I have to learn what these cues are because I can't quite hear them. Um, uh, uh, Ali McBeal, I think in the pilot. Oh yeah, he was the dancing baby. 
That's right. He was the dancing baby. <laughs> a really good run on that show as the dancing baby. <laughs> cool. <laughs> really good uh, good character work. He was the guy who uh, sexually harasses Ellie McBeal. Wow. And then and Why then would causes the baby do that. Cause <laughs> And, uh, you know, the baby litigates pretty effectively against Ellie McBeal and causes her to quit. It's a very Uh, strange beginning to a show. uh, That Ellie McBeal. David E. Kelly. That's him. Right? That's right. Okay. Married Michelle Pfeiffer. And he did uh, Boston Legal as well? Never wrote anything from Michelle Pfeiffer, I don't think. Sort of Excuse interesting. Me. I'm asking you a question about David. Oh, Kelly. Boston Legal. I, I Did don't he know do that. that also, it's, it seems right, but I don't know. Um, because that was William Shatner got an Emmy every fucking year for that show. Did he really? Yeah, I never. Great. I don't think I saw a single episode of Boston Legal. Was it good? Well, do it in the Patreon. That's the only way we'll watch it. <laughs> I know where that conversation goes. I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> we should. We should. It would be a worse thing to like do one episode of TJ Hooker, one episode of Once We're on TOS, Just one episode of Boston it. Legal. Find every. Uh, what was the? Find- what was his tech war? Was that his? His his own sci-fi offshoot. Uh, Tekken. Yes, that's correct. No, I think it was Tech War. Wasn't it? Nope. You're 100% correct. Tekken is the fighting video game. Yeah. <laughs> you are 1,000% correct. He did do Boston Legal, uh, David E. Kelly, FYI. All right. Now I'm curious to see old old, uh, old Captain Kirk in Boston Legal. Uh, I can't even. It's so hot in this room right now. I can't even think straight. You seem like you're a little bit... You're a little bit uh, blurry eyed what time is it hang on it's 5 14 a.m it's like it's like picard he's been asleep for hours am i in a dream <laughs> it is what a waste of a dream this would be oh my huh? god it's 81 <laughs> degrees in here um why am i, I in a flannel Let's I thought you were getting up. some... Yeah, seriously. No, I have I th- air conditioning. I just can't have it on when we're recording. Oh, I see. So these three-hour situations are just like... Oh, you'd think I'd lose... I should wear a trash bag in here. I'll lose some water weight. <laughs> yeah, turn it into a sauna. <laughs> it feels like one. Ooh, weird digression, everyone. I love the joke... It's never really called out, nor do I even think they put they layer laughs in it. In Seinfeld, they're in a sauna, <laughs> and, and Kramer says, it's like a sauna in here. <laughs> That's a really funny, subtle joke. Ship immediately. What ship is that? Please. Just tell me, what is this place? Where am I? fever. It's taking your memory. That must be it. Perhaps you can help me. Anything, my friend. My name is Cayman. Yes. You are? Bataille. Council leader Bataille. 
I'm your best friend. But but, but you what? No, no, my name is Bataille. But you what? <laughs> Third base. Ladies and gentlemen, thank uh, you for listening. The podcast is over. Goodness gracious. Bataille. That's where I always predicted it would end. You say I've been ill for more than a week. Eileen should have put you in the hospital. Oh, I had a question for you, sort of a larger question, and maybe it's answered somewhere else, or people have talked about it before, but do you think that the Eileen or Eileen and the children were real? Like, existed on the planet? It is a really good question, and I look forward to hearing the explanation again, but the... Because it, it, it felt like this was someone's... This is why I say I wonder if the technology did something to kind of bend Picard's choices so that his choices fit the narrative they're setting up for him. Because it, feel, it uh, intuitively, I always felt like this was some guy's life. Um, and then they bent his experience to fit his life. But they also didn't have to... I mean, he wasn't integral to the probe or anything like that. What do you mean? Like, they didn't have to bend him to be a certain person or have a certain role in that society. I guess I'm saying, in like the same sense that when you play an open world game, there are certain things that sort of shape so they sort of point you in a direction and even if you're choosing not to and then like things will happen even if you didn't choose them I feel like that kind of stuff was happening to get him back on the track of this guy's life hmm. so you think could, that Cayman was a real person yes and I'm saying that this all is a, a video game that he's experiencing it's not a planet it was just a really cool video game that someone designed. He just got an unsold copy of a PS7 game. <laughs> That's right. Katan. What happened? What is going on? Whoops. Katan. 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 Federation planet. Settlers of Katan. I uh, think I'll just take a walk but you've been ill for a week you've got covid the exercise will do me good i'll um try to reacquaint myself with the surroundings i gotta say stuart looks cut in this episode i don't know if he like he made sure he was good and ready for these sleeveless he's always outfits. pretty cut yeah you know Think about him in first contact, swinging around those the the engineering on the Borg tubes. I remember. Doesn't bring any supplies. The score is also not ominous at any point, you know? True. So Which, saying, you know how Star Trek scores tend to really hammer home whatever emotion you're supposed to be feeling? Right. You're saying that if he listened to the score, he'd know there was nothing to fear. <laughs> I'm saying it's an interesting... It, it, it's sort of like a shorthand with the audience to get the audience to go, there's nothing... 
malicious happening here. Yeah, which is a bold choice. There, I really wonder there don't I, how many episodes there are like that where it's sort of just like you're watching this story. There is no crucial, you know, terrible thing that's going to happen or danger of something terrible happening. Well, I mean, they try to play it off when you cut back to the ship and he's dying. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. So here, he spent the whole day coming, walking around, and then he pretty much accepts his home. <laughs> right. I've had people out trying to find you everywhere. Why did you worry us like that? You're not my wife. Are you hungry? Hungry, thirsty, exhausted. that proves this is not a dream doesn't it you think that this your life is a dream this is not my life not that much I've kept something hard for you where did you go what do you think the giant Horn is for on the side of the and you're just out of the bed. soup barrel. Oh, it has the <laughs> other handle. There's two handles. I bet it's double layered. Mm. How many times do you think somebody jabs themselves in the kitchen on that thing? <laughs> I think all cooking in this culture is done in the living room. Yeah, I like That's the uh, decided. I like the sculpture next door, or whatever the hell it is. You always say that. I never thought to myself that I was a soup guy. No matter how strange they may seem. I didn't hear that, but I bet it was funny. (laughs) I said, I never thought that I was a soup guy. (laughs) Although it seems more like a stew. Stew, yeah, definitely stew. More more British or French. Of course. Are there any other planets in this star system? Do you visit other systems? All right. Um, do you have a communication system here? How do you how do you send messages to um, to other communities, other other places? The usual way, by voice transit conductor. Do you want to send a message? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, when can that be arranged? Tomorrow. I forget. Do we do we find out what he is doing with sending the messages? He wants to get a message out to the Enterprise. He wants to see if this technology, it's possible to get to the Enterprise, or does he... He can, he can send a radio transmission out. He can send a distress call. Through whatever their primitive thing is? It's Star Trek. You remember when fucking Sp- when Spock and Kirk did it when they were in that Nazi planet prison? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll figure it out. Don't you want to ask about us? Of course. <laughs> um, anything you can tell me will be helpful. We, um, we, um, we're married. And we, Three uh, years ago. We have sex. 
Or do we not? The happiest day of my life was the day we got married. He'd be like, gross, 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 gross. New question, new question. <laughs> um, uh, is there, how many bathrooms are in this house? <laughs> is that a good question? <laughs> Where do we keep the towels? What if this, like, planet just, they hadn't invented bathrooms yet? And still... <laughs> There are no bathrooms on the entire planet. Uh, and then he invented the toilet and became like the toilet magnate and like sure. had a little, uh, had a, had, he became just like a baron of industry. Yeah. It'd be funny if he just became a totally capitalistic, like, money hungry on this planet. Here in Russia. You're the best iron weaver in the community, at least I think so. You prefer playing the flute. Flute. Yes. Oh, the flute. The flute. Hey, can you play us the Picard theme, pal? <laughs> Not yet. Not till later. Yep. I'm afraid you never did, dear. You do keep trying. All right, let's head over to the Enterprise, where Pasto Picard is. Stable. <laughs> Whoops. This probe is doing something to him. Anything yet, Data? No, sir. The particle emission is most unusual. I am unable to block it. We should destroy the probe. Phasers are armed and ready. I don't think that's wise. Not until we know exactly. You're a what doctor. I'm guy who shoots. Send out phasers at the warp. Boo! <laughs> In the meantime. <laughs> Take a better range of thrusters only 100 kph. Nice and easy. I said. I would love it if Warp did that every time somebody said no to him. <laughs> no. Don't shoot yet. Boo! <laughs> In Klingon, that is a sign of respect to boo someone. It's moving with us, sir. Holding relative position. It's connected itself to him. Like a tether. I really do. I think the time jumps are nice and well placed. Very well placed. Very well written. The progression of of even though even though of course Patrick Stewart always looks essentially the same with longer or shorter hair. But outside of that, the uh, the changes in in costume and hair and like that he knows he knows the uh, the song. It's a really brilliant way to show the progression of time with that. And just an amazing performance. As always, but really like a tricky performance by Patrick Stewart of showing the, like him slowly accepting it and kind of being well, a little I mean, bit it's... sad at certain points that like his, his old life is gone. Right. And also like, it's nice. This, the, the, the changes in hair and makeup. Uh, it's really well done. ship of yours again, haven't you? Just charting the progress of the course of the sun. I, get... I wonder if he ever figures out where they are in the universe. I'm. If I had to guess, probably. Uh huh. Although that star system isn't. Don't they say it's like not been charted ever? I don't remember. At the end. Yeah. Y- yet it has a name, which makes no sense. 
Interesting. Because I also, another aspect of what I, there's a couple of questions I have about this. One is. Please. Well, one thing is, as we get into him doing this stuff with the water condensers, it's like, well, what in this situation are his, is his personal rules in terms of the prime, prime directive? Like, he's trapped on this planet seemingly indefinitely. He's sort of one of them now. Is he allowed to... I think to... the Prime Directive is not in play here. So how come he doesn't become basically the the emperor of this planet, or independent of his power? How does he just become the most important person on this planet where he's bringing all this technology and solving all these things medically and doing all this stuff? What do you... But he's... He... But he doesn't. I'm saying why. You're saying why doesn't he? Because that, that wouldn't be Picard. Why not? Because the prime directive? No, because of who he is morally as an individual. Like, he wouldn't be striving to have power over people. I'm not saying the power so much as the helping these people. Yeah, but with it technology. would also have to be within his breath of knowledge. Does it, Which, isn't he a smart enough guy that he understands, generally speaking? I mean, I'm not saying he could build it all himself, but I he don't could definitely know that he move would, technology in the direction of... I think it, it's limited, like, what he can do. This, play, this, this technology seems to be, you know, pretty limited. I don't think he could, like, make a hypo spray. You know what I mean? Like, what he, beyond, like... <clears throat> he's so smart, though. Like, even at... Even if it was simpler things, he could completely alter the course of of everything on that planet. Not really, when the star is going to go nova and <laughs> he doesn't have time to do it. Well, he has his lifetime. His yeah, 10 years or however long he's there. Or actually, it would be more. I guess it would probably be about... 30 years, supposedly. 30 years, yeah. So, he has 30 years. He certainly could have made a lot of changes in that time. But I think he, I think he sort of, I think starts to think it was a dream. The all the Star Trek stuff. Well, I mean, I feel like the water condenser scene is like, more I've had about dreams in the future, like where I'm like, where technology's advanced or whatever, and I wake up and I go, oh, all right, and I move go about my day. I don't. I don't read it that way. I feel like the purpose of the water condenser scene where the politician is like, all right, well, we'll keep an eye on that and that they don't listen to him. That's the explanation for they aren't listening to him because that's just how bureaucracy works. So he he can't move it forward. However, I... So I think that's a reasonable explanation. I just feel like he probably, him being Picard, could have found a way around it. But they're doomed either way. The pl- the sun's going nova. They have no interstellar technology. Well, that brings me to my second point, which is, couldn't he have, in 30 years with his knowledge, built some facsimile of a primitive starship? If I, Andrew, if I dropped you... I'm an say, idiot. I'm not no, I know, but, Like If I dropped you 400 years ago into whatever, like into... Uh, Ireland in the year 1650. Yeah. And I came back to you five years later and it would, do you think it would be fair to me to go so uh, why didn't you invent the television yet? 
Because I'm an idiot would be the answer. <laughs> well, you're not an idiot. I'm not Picard. You're not an idiot. I don't really know how a how, I mean I know and the honestly, general I don't think Picard does either. I feel like Picard is often engaging in very deep discussions with Jordy and Data and everybody and and Beverly about medicine and and engineering and No. I feel like he's a very I, smart I think, guy. Yes, he's a pilot and you know, he knows He knows um, why stuff works, not how stuff works. Uh, 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 that what is I'm not as easy as you'd think without. I feel like you could point to many episodes and I don't have them at the ready. Well, then you can point to zero right now. Where it's just him or like, what about the episode with him and Wesley? Doesn't he make like adjustments to the phaser and whatnot? Like. Yeah, but he doesn't have anything with him. He doesn't have a communicator. He doesn't have a tricorder. He doesn't have a phaser. He is just dropped there. He has his top-notch brain, (laughs) to quote Hamilton. (laughs) What I'm saying to you is it's going to be... It's it's more of an undertaking than you would think to build this... I mean, I don't know what you anticipate him doing. Other than, like... I mean, I see what you're saying of, like, the idea of, like, running for whatever office and becoming some higher level council member or something like i know he doesn't care about power i'm just saying i feel like with the breadth of knowledge he has of the far-flung future it feels like he could he could improve many different things other than just the water condensers and also i feel like he could build things and create things that maybe weren't like phaser or tricorder level but were certainly advanced enough that people would be like holy shit he figured out how to you know whatever build an I don't know not aqueduct but whatever some equivalent of something I think what he has going for him is he's a student of archaeology so he understands civilizations that are like this but I don't I feel like think you're he's... underselling him here no I... I don't think I but... am I think I'm Given what he has to work with, which is nothing, you know, whenever we go to these, whenever we have these Star Trek back in time stories, uh-huh. and you're usually you have, they're le- they have something with them, right? Be it a phaser, a tricorder, whatever, they have some piece of future technology with them uh-huh. that they can then base stuff off of. As actually, you know, we'll see next week in Time's Arrow, but like, what you what we never have is Star Trek person dropped in a, you know, past civilization with nothing. Um, I, I mean, we're just Kirk in it. We are just in disagreement that, about how much information is at his disposal in his brain. I mean, he could make gunpowder like Captain Kirk when he was fighting the Gorn. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, and, you know, there, there are smarter Star Trek nerds than me listening. So I would say, if anybody has any examples of of Picard, you know, that if he was in a situation, as Matt says, with no tricorder, no phaser, that he has the knowledge that he could have made more of an impact on the society than I Matt mean, is all he, he does in, in... Please sound off. In the Wesley episode is uh, make an arrow out of sticks. <laughs> I think that may be true. You know, and he has a whole crash shuttlecraft. <laughs> right. Give a clue to the cause of this drought. 
I think you're still trying to figure out where you are. Where that ship of yours is. How to get back to that life. I was the captain. The memory is five years old now. But it's still inside me. Was your life there so much better than this? Yes, we had so toilets. So much more gratifying. <laughs> so much more fulfilling that you cling to it with such stubbornness. Ellie. Must have been extraordinary. But never in all the stories you've told me have you mentioned anyone who loved you as I do? I've said Commander Riker many times. <laughs> you just chose not to hear it. <laughs> it was real. It was as real as this is. And you can't expect me to forget a lifetime spent there. Yes, I can. I've been patient, Cayman. For five years, I've shared you with that other life. I've listened. I've tried to understand. And I have waited. When do I get you back? I know. I gotta say, if she's been waiting five years, she's been more than patient. It has been hard on you. When but he was on that other life for 55. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like... I feel like he even forgets it too quickly. Like, or he sort of moves past it a little too quickly for me. Yeah, I agree. If that, like, of the minor criticisms I could throw at this episode, that would be one of them. I mean, he's basically the way they're playing it here, which I think is smart, is that he hasn't forgotten it. He has chosen at a certain point to not, to try to be a decent person and not drive this lady crazy by constantly talking about it. So this is her sort of digging in and saying, I know you're not saying it, but I know that you're still thinking it. Mm. And for you, I think. Oh, a tree. There you are, Bataille. Perhaps you can explain to me, when props are dying all over, how this tree is flourishing. Well, this tree is our symbol, our affirmation of life. Everyone in this town gives part of their water rations to keep it alive. We've learned, Administrator, that hope is a powerful weapon against anything, even drought. A good point. Perhaps I shall recommend a symbolic tree in each of my communities. Now, what business do we have today? But we need help if we're to increase the water. This guy is so um, untrustworthy, and I don't know why. <laughs> I think he's playing it that way. It's clearly he's. You don't think he be... is? No, I think he is. He's clearly like being characterized as being a sleazy politician, kind of. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, why? Why is he being? Why I think don't it's... I? Why don't I trust him immediately? <laughs> is it his eyes? Is it his hair? Like, what is it? He's kind of he's kind of playing it oily salesman. He kind of just like, hmm, oh, interesting. I'll put it in my. Well, then I guess I'll have to. It's it's in his his manner, his tone. Well, you know, Scott J E Jake, Scott Jake, uh, you nailed it. If that's what you're going for. Our <laughs> supply. We think there are ways to reclaim some of our water. Bataille, 
You're being a bit of an alarmist. True, we are in a drought, but water rationing has produced a sizable savings. The weather pattern doesn't change. Rationing will not be enough. We'll run out of water. Who is this? Cayman, sir. Cayman! Do I know you? Nope. I haven't spoken to you before. Well, Cayman, I'm open to all the people of this town. I'm delighted to hear what you have to say. I suggest that we build atmospheric condensers which could extract water from the air. I don't mean to quash your very creative ideas. It's very dry here. We couldn't have any sort of moisture farm. And then he winks at the screen. <laughs> I think it's his eyes. Right? Got, They're so pale. He's got shifty eyes. I'm very confused by it. Look at the guy in the background. The guy in the background I trust. He does, he does not trust this guy. We could not hope to sustain such a project. Each community will be responsible for its own. Condensers could make the difference between watering our crops and watching them die. Well, I'll be glad to pass along your idea. You'll see that this kind of participatory government works for everyone. Be well, Patai. I shall see you next month. Good to meet you, Kanan. Go carefully, Administrator. I wish he tripped out the, like, as he was walking away, he just tripped and fell over. <laughs> and we came to very quickly understand that the people of this planet are very clumsy. That's why their goodbye saying is, go carefully, Andrew. <laughs> that went very well. That's what's I hindered progress on this planet so much. That's why Picard can't get anything done. There'll be no Everybody's always dropping his experiments or tripping over something or hurting themselves. It's funny, like, watching, you know, you watch the I'm Gonna Be Cayman, and then you watch it drop, and you see Picard pop out a little bit. Like, it's a really, it's a great performance. I think Picard spent his whole time on this planet perfecting (laughs) tie-dye. I mean, look, I don't... Typically, I think most of the fashions of, like, other world colonies on TNG are terrible. Yeah. But this, like, really fits the planet there. Like, for some reason, this works. I totally agree. It's it's a very cohesive, unobtrusive style like you, that, that makes about, organic like, the, sense. The last episode of uh, Voyager we watched for Patreon, and they were in those, like, corset things. Yeah, the bustiers. The multicolored corsets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, like, you look at this, and it's like, oh, yeah, it's a hot planet. You know, you'd have yeah. a flowy sort of breathable fabric, and everyone's sort of in that. Right. Top-notch work, everybody. Not brooding. I'm immersed in my music. Music. I'm playing the Picard theme. I find that it helps me to think. But the real surprise I is... I really liked this scene, by the way. Yeah, what do you like? Like about this it? whole like you know, friends over way too late. They're out on they're sitting, they're drinking. You know, he's drinking, and the friend, the wife comes out and is like, "Okay, go home. Time to go home." Yeah, it's really nice. It's sort of like really for me, like this sort of this galvanizes that Picard is really ingratiated into this culture at this point. Yeah, I agree. It's a very adult. A lot of the the friendship stuff 
in Star Trek in general, we were just complaining about this with Discovery, but in Star Trek in general, when it's like two people being friends, it's sort of forced and uncomfortable. It's very natural and organic in this scene. I think it's a credit to the guy that played the dancing baby on Ally McBeal also. I mean, the guy, there's nothing he can't do. Now, the real surprise is that you may actually be improving. Is it an automatic door? Baton. Yeah, they have They have technology. They have it is lights. interesting. I feel like there's enough technology that he could do shit. Maybe he installed the automatic door. He's like, I keep walking into this thing. I need to figure this out. I gotta get it. I gotta get an automatic door. I came in. I'm I'm, I'm no longer a cadet. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Use a handle like a schmuck. Yes, ma'am. Good night, Cayman. Good night, my friend. I'm the dancing baby. (laughs) Go carefully, (laughs) Batai. Oh. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. I've done nothing but nag all day. I'm what so- if that became a number one hit, Frere Jaca? <laughs> it's true. It becomes a superstar. <laughs> playing to giant sold out no, stadiums with his little tin whistle <laughs> everything you said this morning was absolutely correct I feel that I have given you so little and you have given me so much no you're a good man wonderful husband I didn't mean no not such a wonderful husband spend my spare time charting the stars disappear for days at a time exploring the countryside I've had several affairs my life as it was old habits you're gentle and kind you've never once raised your voice to me I'd like to ask your permission to build something a spaceship You've built your telescope, your laboratory. You don't need my permission for something new. In this case, I think I do. What is it? Nursery. Really? The probe hadn't planned for this. (laughs) (laughs) It just shorts out and he wakes up. (laughs) Um, What's interesting is... So he was there at the previous iteration. He was there five years, and they still hadn't had a kid, even though they were talking about a kid in the first one. What are you talking then, about? No, this is the five-year mark. N- oh, that was this morning of yeah. this of this iteration. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. You yeah, can tell reasonable. by how long the sleeves are on his various pajamas. <laughs> right. It's like the rings of a tree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, let's see. What's happening back in Star Trek land? System. Looks like they used a solid propellant as fuel. Solid propellant. Sensors read this stuff as crystalline and meristol. Produces a radioactive trail. It ought to be traceable. Well, then we should be able to send out a probe of our own. Trace it back to the origin. Are you right on it? Commander, I've been analyzing the nucleonic beam. I believe it would be possible to reflect the particles back toward the probe in a way that would disrupt the signal. Also, like, think about it, Andy. They had automatic doors a thousand years ago. If yeah. that planet, if that sun hadn't gone nova, 
Those people. They might been... be pretty dope. But how long? I feel like by that token, they should have already been in space. Wait, so you think automatic doors? That's the first step travel? to space technology. Space travel. <laughs> Two things. <laughs> Look, we've seen how important it is on Star Trek. Uh, it seems like they sort of get to like 1970s yeah. technology with the solid fuel propellant and sending that probe off world. Now, that's beyond that. They have this nucleonic beam technology that can whatever. But it feels like they're sort of like their their space technology is 1940 their or 1970 their their um their door technology is 2020 according to Andy sure. and their not maybe even beyond 2020 <laughs> we don't have automatic doors everywhere their soup their soup and stew technology is timeless um, so yeah. I mean it's just like you know this they, the culture plays fast and loose. Mm-hmm. Doctor, I simply don't know the risk of shutting down the beam. Also, I'm not willing to let this thing keep drilling into. I don't know how long, uh, how long he's been laying there, but they're not beaming him to sick bay. <laughs> Fifteen minutes total is the whole thing. Yeah, and they but they wouldn't immediately beam him to sick bay. They don't want to move him because that beam is attached to him. I see. I see. To him. If somebody gets stabbed, you don't necessarily pull the knife out right away. It might do more harm than leaving it there. The captain is under attack. We must act. I'm inclined to agree. Ha ha! Take that, Crusher! Closely. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> In your face, beam. Crusher! We're going to try to cut this cord. We're going to cut this cord of this dancing baby. <laughs> what? And then we find out that Bataille has died here. It's very sad. I like that they have the decorative step slash seat outside the door. I think they're functional as steps. Picard just uses them as seats. Oh, you think so? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. No, no. Named this child for a dear friend who died a year ago. But now his memory will live on in his namesake. We name you Bataille in his honor. He's starting out in the warmth of friends. Thank you. What's, what's interesting here, Matt, what you don't is, know is that, the same actor as... Ah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Please help yourself to some food. Congratulations, Ken. Thank you. That was the guy in the background who distrusted the politician. <laughs> He's hung around. So now what are we, uh, ten more years in? I was so nervous, I was afraid that I would drop her. How old do you think she is? The baby. Well, I mean, the they had to... She's probably like, what, five? All right, so let's say it's another five years. Yeah. I couldn't imagine life without her. 
Well, that's going to be a downer for you soon. But it's not, though, because he lived this life. You know what I mean? That's an interesting point. Like, so it's basically, it is, it's like how we all should feel regarding death. Yes, in the sense like that I've like... I've lived my full life, and so I don't need to hang on to it. Right, and he got to experience having a family. You know what I mean? Yeah. In a way, he's very lucky, and in a way, I wish that this episode sort of impacted him more uh, as a character. Yeah. Because, you know, I think often, like, we end up with Picard, who's like... You know, sad and alone. Yeah, I think that's a valid point. We've seen a couple of those episodes recently yeah. that are like big. Like I think the the perfect mate is another one that theoretically mm-hmm. should have had a long term big impact on him. A lot of people were sort of saying in the uh, in Hales uh, that they they kind of want uh, I don't remember her name, but whoever Famke Janssen. Whoever Famke Johnson's character's name was, for her to show up in um, in Picard in season two, <laughs> that finally he can be together with her. But he's no longer. Never mind. He's 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 had a life. He had you know he had a baby named Baton, Batai, and whatever <laughs> Baton Batai. Who cares? Your regular and weakening. Losing him. That's one line. That's two. <laughs> two for New Zergawa. Data, get that beam back. There's severe fluctuations in the isocortex. Synaptic responses are failing. Begin full cardiac conduction. You can do it, Nurse Ogawa. Get your under five. Get your over five. That's four. Data, you've got to reestablish that beam. I am attempting to do so, Doctor. Losing response in the isocortex. Hooray! Blood pressure up to 90 Six. over 40. Just keep going. We're already paying her. More lives. Isocortical functions are stabilizing. <laughs> Vital signs are approaching normal. She's like, I for- I completely forgot. He doesn't have a real heart, everyone. I forgot. That's on me. That's on me. That's on me. <laughs> You know, that was a medical emergency that was solved by data, actually. Was it? How <laughs> I mean, so? if you really think about it, sure, Crusher was right in her diagnosis that that was going to kill him, but it was really data who saved him by cutting uh, re- reestablishing the link. With the- <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> so, early MVC candidate here, data. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's, it's so far, thus far, there's no real danger. Yeah, uh, we have that. It's probably actually, honestly, it's Bataille. Got to say, already it's Bataille. Um, another jump of what? Probably what? Twenty years? You think? I kind of respect that they found a a girl that kind of looks a little bit like Picard. You know the 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 her, his son is is Patrick Stewart's son. Oh, really? Yeah, that's funny. What is the scientist? been up to today analyzing soil samples there isn't any anaerobic bacteria soil is dead this isn't just a very long drought is it father i have entries in my log that go back 10 years you have data preceding that for 15 years you've reached the same conclusion i know you have i haven't reached any conclusion 
A good scientist doesn't function by conjecture. A good scientist functions by hypothesizing and then proving or disproving that hypothesis. That's what Technically, I I'm not that much hey, of a scientist. I mean, I couldn't change culture on my own. <laughs> <laughs> I simply can't build automatic doors everywhere. <laughs> that young man, Danik. You are changing the subject. No, I'm not. Just hypothesizing that he's in love with you. You've taught me to pursue the truth, no matter how painful it is. It's too late to back off now. This planet is dying. <sighs> Perhaps I should have filled your head with trivial concerns, games and toys and clothes. I don't think you mean that. No, I don't. <sighs> Just saddens me to see you burdened with Best guy? What happened? Uh, I was at a sink, and so I tried to reload oh. it. Go ahead. I did. Oh, because mine's not playing. Is yours playing? Oh, let's see what happens. Are you hitting it as I'm hitting it? No. Oh. It's only going a frame at a time now. <laughs> Shouldn't have messed with it. <laughs> the knowledge of things you can't change. How about there? Is it moving? Father, no, I think but we can keep going. I should marry Danik sooner rather than later, don't you? She's the time, Metapol. All right, he's really learning about seizing oh. time. He's he's doing a lot that he never did on the Enterprise. I'll tell you that much. He's had a. He's gonna have grandchildren. Worf still really looks very upset at Crusher for not letting him fire phasers. Stable ever since the beam was restored. Commander Riker, we've started to receive telemetry from the probe we launched. Go ahead. We've charted the alien probe's radiation trail for over one light year. Any way to extrapolate an origin? Looks like a star system in the Solarian sector. Catan. Never heard of it. David? It is an unmapped system of six planets, sir. Any of them inhabited? Not any longer, but sir. But it wouldn't have a name. Oh, good point. Yep. Well, well, couldn't they have charted it from afar? Do they, by uncharted, they mean they can't even see it from well, afar? Well, they've charted. It's been charted, like, as the system that exists. But, like, to get the name Catan that the people actually call themselves. Oh, that's, yeah. Because they, yeah. Wild. Fair. Right. The star went nova. All life in this system was destroyed approximately 1,000 years ago. He did manage to build that really clumsy-looking telescope. That's true. Seems like he could have done more. I'll wear your shoes for you again. Uh, thank you, dear. Still putting away his shoes. Classic. Um, all right. Then Patrick Stewart's son strolls in, <laughs> wanting to be a musician. Yes. Andy's back in the party. Yeah. I was waiting for the right moment, but oh. nah, that will never come. Different place. I'm leaving school. 
leaving school. No, you're not. I want to concentrate on my music. That's what I care about. Well, last year all you cared about was mathematics. The year before that, botany. But now... through it all, there was my music. I think you know that, Father. This the is English? the life I want. Well, we'll, um... We'll discuss it. Thank you, Father. So this is his actual son? Yes. Oh, interesting. I wish I could see him. Even after all these years, you still have the ability to surprise me. Music is what he wants. Why should I stand in his way? Anyway, who knows how much time they'll have to follow any dream. Are you still planning to talk to the administrator tomorrow? Mm-hmm. The possibility he'll dismiss me from the council. Unless, of course, you keep quiet. The evidence is too pronounced. I can't stay silent. What a surprise. So, it does beg the question, was this, was, uh, what's his name? Catan, no. K-Ron? Bataille. Bataille? No, Bataille's the, the friend. Picard's name is... Oh, um, Cayman. Cayman. Uh, he did he exist and was he the lone person being like you know we're all dead right we just we gotta <laughs> we gotta figure this out the Jorel, if you will <laughs> yes I go to any Oops. wouldn't that have been cool if that was the end of the story <laughs> This is a memory of being Jor-El. <laughs> Send a baby off the planet at the end. Uh, <laughs> this is Krypton. It's been Krypton the whole time. And it's actually the baby that's sent is Q. It's <laughs> a lot of mythology tying in. I go to any lengths to get your attention. You always did have a flair for the dramatic. Doctor, thank you. But Ty, leave us alone for a moment. I, I need to talk to my husband. Did you show the administrator your evidence? I didn't have to. They already knew. So he won't throw you off the council. No. In fact, he started a new council just for me. <laughs> Wait, doesn't that mean... What are, you, what are you talking about? I have my own council now. <laughs> it's my dream. I can do what I want. Uh, then we get another time jump, and uh, he's running around with grandkids. What a... What a certainly making a lot of noise. Nice way to tell this story and jump the timelines it's really well it's well plotted I agree 
with, with a, an episode where essentially it's just a touching kind of interesting it's not really a it's not an action-packed story it's just the simple story but it's also very good you know it's good sci-fi in the sense of like it is uh it is a story about living a lifetime in 10 15 minutes it's true and also like of this planet that was doomed which is much like Krypton, as as Andy pointed out. This is just Krypton. I think Bataille was General Zod. <laughs> Did everyone know about this except me? I'll, uh, I'll be all right sitting here. You go off with the others. Hold on to my grants and watch the damn thing go up for all the good it'll do. What is it they're launching? You know about it, Father. You've already seen it. Seen it? What are you talking about? I haven't seen any missile. Yes, you have, old friend. Young Bataille. Holy crap. saw it just before you came here. We hoped our probe would encounter someone in the future. Someone who could be a teacher. Someone who could tell the others about us. Oh, it's me. Isn't it? gone a thousand years if you remember what we were and how we lived then we'll have found life again so is the probe being launched like right Right as the Nova's going up. No, it can't be. It would never escape the supernova. Uh, Depends how fast it's going. Oh, this is an interesting quote from uh, Moore, Ron Moore. I've always yeah, felt that the it? experience in the inner light would have been the most profound thing in Picard's life and changed him irrevocably. But that wasn't our intention when we created the episode. We were, after a good hour of TV, the larger implications of how this could really screw somebody up didn't hit home with us until later. That's sometimes the danger in TV. You're so focused on getting the show made every week that sometimes you suffer from can't-see-the-forest-from-the-trees syndrome. We never intended it to completely upend Picard's character and force a radical change in the series. So we contented ourselves with a single follow-up in Lessons, which you'll see huh. in season six. I appreciate 
that they even had one episode. They really do. They do do a, a pretty okay job in making subtle changes to character that make sense over time um, in all the characters, and 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 circling back in a meaningful way, like they did with his Borg experiences a couple of times. Well, it's inter- it's interesting because like you characters sort of incrementally evolve in a writer's room anyway yeah where it's like okay well we've had the character do this so i guess them doing this isn't crazy right Um, or what would they be like in this that's really the best writer's rooms are the ones where like okay what's an interesting situation now that we've established this to put this character in and then just by necessity it's kind of like kind of like uh Riker in the uh in the episode with the the uh the species uh without gender um in offspring no in offspring, offspring right what is that what is that episode i don't remember but whatever it is like it's sort of like you've seen him as sort of uh you know a, a dating machine let's say <laughs> um so what is he like in this scenario with this these circumstances and and just by process of that he grows as a result just by by following the extrapolation of what would this character do in this situation do you feel like uh we get the same extrapolation from Worf with Alexander or do you feel like they seriously have no idea what to do with that situation well I mean, they definitely have him react differently in the one where with the girl who's possessed, with the possess, not the possessed, the uh, the imaginary demon friend, that that he doesn't flip out on them the way that he would before. <laughs> you think? Yeah, I feel like pre, I feel like pre Andrew, he uh, Alexander rather, he would have uh, thrown him in the bri- that child in the brig. <laughs> yeah, he definitely would have. <laughs> Warped he would have wrestled them both to the ground. Uh, I do. I do think there is a softening of the Worf character and a more self-awareness over time. Interesting. Yeah, the the evolution of characters over seven years is certainly fascinating. And for all the writers who have been on Star Trek and all the people that enter interviews or whatever say that the characters don't really change, I think that that's yeah. not... I don't think that's accurate. True. Yeah. I think they all change a little bit. I think that's true. Except for Jordy. It's definitely definitely challenging that they don't change as much as you would imagine them to change. But on the other hand, part of the problem we're having in our recent episodes of Discovery are that we're like, these characters are all over the place and they're acting like this, you know, best friends when we haven't seen the progression and, and you know, Burnham is so emotional and all this stuff. And I feel like this is actually a more logical progression of, of people that would be starfleet um officers that they would be a little bit more buttoned up and staying the course and the changes would be subtler well i mean think about you you know seven years ago or me seven years ago pretty much the same (laughs) i'm like four times more awesome oh well that's pretty cool (laughs) (laughs) I think I've, re- I've refined how much I eat. <laughs> Mr. Worf, put a tractor beam on that probe. I want it in Shuttle Bay 2 for examination. Yes, Commander. 
But Commander, it's much bigger than what? Shuttle Bay 2. You heard me, Worf. We've got a problem in Shuttle Bay 2. I love this Patrick Stewart Captain. acting. Reaches in for a kiss. How long? 20, 25 minutes. Do five minutes. Captain, I want you in sick bay. I'd like to run a full diagnostic on you. Dogs a crusher. Riker's like, I should have kissed him. That was my chance. That was my chance. <laughs> he was dazed. I could have said I was happy to see him. It's like like the look out the turbo lift of like, oh, my old friends. Yeah. Followed by the, oh, everyone I loved for the past 30 years. <laughs> it's true. For a millennia. I don't know if he does that second part. He does. I am talking about in his quarters. Oh. <laughs> in the next beat, where he's sort of that just staring see. at the painting. I'm not. Oh, yeah, here it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right now he's thinking, I really should have changed that civilization. <laughs> <laughs> I could have built so many things. Refrigeration alone would have been astounding. Come. That also felt like it was really good beat because it f- looked like, and I'm probably reading into it, but like he had to remember what, how to get someone in the room or what that noise was. Oh, interesting. Like I just, you know, I'm definitely probably just, reading into it, but I don't know. I definitely see it as like, he's just like, this is so weird to be back here because yeah. this hasn't been my room for so long. Hello, sir. Feeling better? Really? Yes. Yes, thank you. He is effusive about Picard in this episode. This is really Riker's in love with Picard. This is really my home. At a ten. We were able to open the probe and examine it. Apparently, whatever had locked onto must have been self-terminating. It isn't functioning any longer. We found this inside. It knew the whole time that whoever this probe encountered would have fingers and be able to play a flute. (laughs) This is, you know what? The whistle kind of suggests to me that it was all pre-programmed with the other guy's life. It's a flute, Andy. It's not a whistle. Flute. I think, I see, to me it's a tin whistle, the Irish tin whistle, because it's the same sound. And it's in a green box. <laughs> <laughs> Although I guess he would have had to make his own choices. I'm going with my open world strategy. Thought. He lived it on rails. Yeah.
Ugh, such good acting. I'm going to call this the Picard theme. It's very nice. It's a little sad. Uh, the flute sold for $48,000. Huh. Do you think that person plays it? <laughs> I hope so. It was sold at Christie's in 2006 for $48,000. I feel like if you're going to spend money... It's a non-playing on prop. <laughs> on Star Trek props... I feel like I've seen stuff for like whatever five hundred dollars that are equal to or just as cool as that, or less than maybe uh, just like just a little. I don't know that flute. Like as far as like Picard memorabilia, because we have the follow up episode that you haven't seen yet. Uh, okay, I feel like that flute is that flute's pretty much up there. Like All right. that or the Picard again, you know. You don't think like the 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 Cisco baseball I almost got you, like that's a more quintessential prop. No, I'm speaking this in ignorance. I've never seen DS9 or other than the pilot. No, I mean the the baseball on Cisco's desk. Yes, but I don't know that flu- like Picard stuff. Like, what else would you want? Maybe his Shakespeare book. In that loose, yeah, the Shakespeare. I wonder how much that one went for. The the aquarium. That was a rental. It probably just went back to Paramount Storage. (laughs) Livingston's aquarium. Sure. Uh, His pad. One of the pads. So many pads. So many pads. It's time, Andy, to uh, officially rate and give this episode. It's what's for. Very good. Yeah, the NBC Only Matt and Andy know who it's gonna be Will it be Data, Riker, Troy, or Dr. Crusher? If you don't like who they pick Just remember that this podcast is free I think your argument about Data is fair But I do think Beverly is the first one who sort of advanced the the concept of the danger of separating him from yeah the, she's the one who insisted on not moving him to sick bay and yeah. keeping and that's him really the floor. only danger in the episode well then I, in in the life of Captain Picard Beverly Crusher once again you are our MVC yep so proud of you and here we go 
Oops. Beverly Crusher. I'm a tizzy. I'm not sure. Uh, it's definitely really smartly done and a, such a clever premise and well done overall. And I guess it's moving. It does move me. Uh, it's hard for me to judge it on like, you know, episodes where I'm like, ah, it's so kick-ass. Ah, oh, it's amazing. It's like a quiet episode. Yeah. What do you, what do you say? I give it a nine. I think it's really great sci-fi. Yeah. But it is a little, um, it's a little quiet for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's well done overall. Yeah, I'll give it an 8.5. You hear that, everyone? <laughs> we didn't give it a 10. <laughs> we didn't give it a 10. Uh, the renowned episode Inner Light. We did not give a 10. All right, Andy. It's the trailer for Time's Arrow. Okay. We'll be watching it next week on the, this very show. Everyone tune in. Let me know when you're ready. Whenever you're ready. Okay, here we go. On the next exciting episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. It seems clear that my life is to end in the late 19th century. Data faces a shocking fate. We've lost him. And embarks on a mission of no return. I'm not willing to accept that he's dead and just leave it at that. Now to bring him back alive. My God. The crew must cross a chilling gateway into terror. Data! Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> a lot of... A lot of stuff in that episode. Oh yeah, you got a headless data. You got a you got a you got a, a, a glowing creature. You got a time portal. You got uh, get one of the uh, in the past period in the past. Doesn't seem like a lot's happened in the past. I don't know. Is that a brief segment or is that the whole? I That's guess I'll find the whole out. two episodes. Jesus. Jesus Christo. You will. Uh, it'll be interesting. I look forward to watching it. I can't believe we're at the end of a the fifth season i know we're really burning through them two more seasons to go and then there's only seven seasons of ds9 after that oh uh, i'm really excited to get into ds9 after all you people's yammering about it i hope you like it but it'd be funny to me if you hated it <laughs> <laughs> tng i was i was turned around on but ds9 i, I oh, hold so fast <laughs> Uh, when I think I've asked you this before. When, in your opinion, does DS9 get great? Uh, when Worf shows up, season four. Is that f- four? Yeah. Four seasons. That Sorry. is a lot. All right. That's not to say that there's not plenty of enjoyable stuff in, in between, but like once Worf shows up, the show essentially becomes serialized. Right. Um, Love it. And becomes, you know, appointment television. Uh, so, yeah. What's your question? It's just if everybody's got such negative opinions about serialization in the modern Trek shows. Yes. What about DS9? Uh, they had a plan. They didn't you, just do serialized. You know what I mean? They I were see. able to do episodes that sort of 
advance the season arc that were also right. self-contained episodes. Right. You know, like those like middle season two episodes of Discovery that you and I really liked? Yeah. They were like, oh, they got to tell a story and right. move that forward. Yeah, got it. So I think that's like the X-Files. key with Star Trek. It's like you can do an arc, but don't do every episode's a cliffhanger, cliffhanger, cliffhanger. That I think is a big that is a big problem is that it's it's all very similar and it's all repeaty. Yeah. And also they jack everything up to 10. Yep. All right. I'm glad we finally agree on something. I give that conversation a 10. <laughs> Disengage. Follow Star Trek The Next Conversation on social media. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at Star Trek TNC. On Facebook, search for Star Trek TNC and join the face group. Send comments, questions, prime correctives, and anything else to sttncpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave a voice hail, call 816-TREK-TNC. That's 816-873-5862. For callers outside of the United States, use country code PLUS1. And don't worry, no one answers the phone, it's only for messages. If you've got something to mail to Matt or Andy, send it to Andrew Secunda, P.O. Box 46898, Los Angeles, California, 90046. And please send an email to let them know that something is coming. Finally, to support the podcast and get even more content, visit patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Be a lieutenant for only $5 per month or join the president circle for $17.01 per month.